You are listening to the Literary Comedy Podcast. Stories of comedy, tragedy, and time. Ing. Hello. Welcome to Chapter 4 of A Dragon for George. A couple of things. One, this is a family-friendly episode, but it does briefly talk about a death that takes place about three minutes in, so please be aware of that. Two, if you haven't listened to the other chapters, you can. If you want to join us now, okay. Quick synopses. Chapter 1. George finds egg. Chapter 2, egg hatches to reveal dragon. Chapter 3, George puts the dragon in a glass fish bowl so it won't burn down his wooden house. And now, chapter 4. George lay down on his bed to think up a plan. First off, he ought to feed the hatchling and give it water, obviously. He only included it as part of the plan because it's nice to know that you can do some things, at least. Gives you a sense of accomplishment. The rest of the plan was a whole lot harder to figure out. If George told his parents, they'd immediately tell the authorities, who George did not trust about matters such as dragons, especially dragons that might be Max. George considered letting the dragon go free in the wild, but this gave him visions of forest fires and local pets disappearing. After all, the dragon might not be Max, or it might be less Max than Dragon. Even if it weren't the reincarnation of his brother, George hoped it would at least be a friendly, and not particularly destructive, variety of Dragon. Or only destructive when it was helpful. But it's not like hope is the most dependable emotion. The dragon might come from a different world, but George shouldn't assume it was a better world than this one. He leaned over the bed to look at the dragon, which continued to scratch at the glass. What do you think, Max? The dragon looked at him inquisitively. That didn't prove anything, though. What do you think, Sax? What do you think, Flax? What do you think, Xlax? The dragon continued to give him the same look. It didn't understand at all. George took a picture from the wall behind his bed. Max and him were dressed up for Halloween together. Max wore a suit of armor while George was dressed up as an ankylosaur. George showed the picture to the dragon. Do you remember this? The dragon chirped. Is that a yes? The dragon chirped again. Chirp twice. For yes. The dragon chirped three times. A power drill rizzed loudly, startling both George and the dragon. I'm putting a lock on Max's door, said George's father from the hallway. I'd like to come downstairs and have some food, said George. I'm feeling a little better now. The dragon belched, <coughs> as if it meant to undermine him. You need to eat, George whispered to it. I thought you were contagious, said his father. I'm getting better, said George. The dragon belched again. <coughs> we'll bring you up a plate if you're getting hungry. His father's drill rizzed, whirred, and whined. George sunk into his soft bed. He looked again at the picture. Max had tried to keep a straight face, but the camera clicked just as he burst out into joyous laughter. Only a few months later, Max would step in to defend George against Johnny. Max would fall. He'd writhe upon the ground. Johnny would just laugh, calling him a faker. George would scream for help. George would feel helpless. The drill had stopped. 
George hung the picture back on the wall. He turned to the dragon. Why are you here? he asked. What am I supposed to do with you? The dragon belched again. <coughs> George shook his head, walking over to the window. He looked down at Jack, who brought the horses back into the stables. They neighed and shook their heads at him. They didn't like Jack so much as George. A knock at his door. George opened it to find a plate of dinner at his feet. He pulled the dinner inside, looking across the hall to see the new deadbolt meant to lock him out of Max's room. George let out a frustrated breath and then shut his door. Defrosted meatloaf, defrosted mashed potatoes, and defrosted string beans filled his plate. The freezer and deep freeze still had some of the meals people had brought over when Max had died. It's a good thing they'd brought them, because George's dad hadn't wanted to cook since then, and his mom would only ever make thick, flat, burnt pancakes or macaroni with ketchup. George had experimented a few times with cooking, but after creating sludge, burned sludge, and a particularly sludgy salad, his parents had insisted that he stop. George thought different parents might have shown him how to cook, or taken it as a sign that they should make better meals themselves. But he wasn't angry with them. Of course he wasn't. His parents hadn't been like this before. They missed Max. George understood. Of course he understood. He didn't want to make things worse for them. He did want to attack the thwacking tree, though. Right now. The dragon looked up hungrily at George, who broke off a chunk of meatloaf, dropping it into the fishbowl. The dragon flicked its tongue at the chunk. It's good. George said, taking a piece in his own hand and putting it into his mouth. George chewed happily, making all sorts of pleasurable mmms before swallowing. See? George made a big show of licking his lips and rubbing his belly. Mmm, good! The dragon looked up suspiciously. George took another bite. It tasted delicious. Mrs. Katz brought this over. She's a really good cook. The dragon picked up some meatloaf with its claws, stuck it in its mouth, took a bite, and immediately spat it back out. It squawked, looking at George angrily, turning away from him. Dragons are supposed to love meat, said George, taking another bite. They loved meat in all the books. Of course, this dragon wasn't from a book. Max didn't like meatloaf either. The dragon yawned revealing a set of adorably small dragon's teeth that surprised George, who, thanks to his dinosaur phase, had studied teeth far more thoroughly than the average twelve-year-old. The dragon's front few teeth, though small, were vicious and sharp, like you'd expect in a baby dragon, or tyrannosaur, or a tiger cub. But all the teeth behind them looked like the sort of teeth George would expect to see in a horse's mouth, albeit a ridiculously tiny horse. Such different types of teeth could only mean one thing. You're an omnivore, George said. That means you can eat all sorts of stuff. George pushed a small clump of mashed potato into the bowl. The dragon swallowed one bite, made a face, and then spat it back out. George offered it a string bean. The dragon took one sniff and shook its head. Max had loved string beans. Max was a weird guy in some ways. You should at least try it. No response from the dragon. You barely tasted anything in your whole life. You don't know what you don't like. 
The dragon flicked its tongue in George's direction. George inhaled slowly and exhaled quickly. <gasps> Wait here. The dragon scratched at the side of the bowl. I guess you don't have much of a choice. I'll be right back, though. I promise. George took his dirty dishes to the kitchen, where he found his mum wearing her bathrobe. Didn't your father ground you? She asked, taking a sip of tea. Just getting a little more food, George said, putting his dirty dishes into the sink. You're over your upset stomach, are you? Totally, said George, placing a small chunk of sausage onto a dessert plate. George added a small slice of cheese to the plate, along with a breadcrumb and a square of shredded wheat. That's a weird-looking meal, said his mum, tipping her teacup all the way back, finishing her tea. I'm not sure what my stomach can handle, George said, smiling. Well, I am sure that you'd better clean up after yourself, his mum said, standing up. And don't forget, you're grounded, she shuffled out of the room. Alone, George opened the freezer, removing a container with one helping of seafood lasagna. George placed this in the microwave, zapping it for two minutes, putting a small amount onto the dessert plate. Max had loved seafood lasagna. His other favorite foods included cheese curls, George added one to the plate, refried beans, George found some left over in the fridge and placed a small spoonful onto the plate, and string beans a distant fourth favorite, and already tested anyway. George returned to his room, where he sat beside the dragon bowl. He slowly tipped it onto the plate and then slid the lid away so that the dragon could choose among its various food options. The dragon flicked its tongue. It gave a quick glance at George before crawling to the seafood lasagna. It took a big bite, which George took as a sign, until it spat it back out again. Max loved that stuff. George said. The dragon next tried the cheese curls, which it soon pushed aside. It nibbled at a refried bean, chewing it thoroughly before spitting this out, too. The dragon had now rejected Max's three favorite foods. On the other hand, they were three of the first foods that it tried, and it hadn't liked anything, and maybe it did remember liking the favorite foods from its previous life as Max, but now that it was a dragon, its senses said that it didn't like them anymore. George considered his test to be inconclusive. The dragon flicked its tongue at the cheese and shoved it aside. Next up was the sausage. Same result. The dragon flicked its tongue several times at the shredded wheat, biting off a tiny piece this it chewed, this it swallowed. Max had hated shredded wheat. The dragon didn't exactly love the shredded wheat. It only ate the one small bite. But as this was all that it ate, George had to consider it significant. He closed the lid again, slowly turning the bowl back over. He plopped the shredded wheat inside in case the dragon decided that it wanted more. You'll have something to drink at least, George said pouring a small amount of water onto a spoon that he'd left on his side table. George picked up the dragon's bowl and tipped it slightly to get a better angle, pushing the spoon toward the dragon, which lapped up the water happily. Okay, George said, pouring another spoonful of water. That's a start. The dragon lapped up the second spoonful as well. The dragon half-heartedly lapped up a third helping before curling up and closing its eyes. George lowered the bowl back to the floor. George readied himself for bed. 
He took one last look at the dragon and then closed his eyes, exhausted after his long day, but too excited to fall asleep. He couldn't tell whether or not the dragon was Max, but it was still, you know, a dragon. There's no telling what adventures they might go on together. K-N-I-G-H-T-L-Y nightly adventures every N-I-G-H-T night. Chivalrous adventures. George had already helped one damsel and couldn't wait to help more. Not just damsels, either. There were so many wrongs in this world that needed to be righted. George looked up at the picture of his brother and thought of one wrong in particular that he'd like to right. Once the dragon got a little bigger. George yawned. <sighs> if they were to go on such adventures, he would most definitely need his sleep. He tried a trick Max had taught him where you don't ever let yourself think about one thing for too long. George's thoughts flashed from one part of the day to the next in no particular order. It took several minutes, but it worked. He began to drift off. <coughs> the dragon belched louder than a power drill, startling George awake. George took a breath, calming himself, finally managing a return to dreamland. When the dragon farted louder than it had burped, the resulting smell stunk worse than it had sounded. Off and on for hours on end, the frequent belching and occasional farting kept George awake. If someone had told him when he woke up this morning that he'd have a dragon of his very own by the end of the day, George would have thought it the coolest, or hottest as it was a dragon, thing possible. But as the creature released its longest and stinkiest fart yet— it reminded George that reality was never quite so good as he imagined it would be. I wish you'd stop doing that, George told the dragon after it farted yet again. Eventually, finally, the dragon stopped making loud noises. George finally managed to fall asleep. Next morning, he woke up certain that yesterday had been a dream— which, of course, meant that yesterday was in fact today and that tomorrow's today would be yesterday. This was all very confusing and weird. But not as confusing and weird as dragons suddenly being real. He looked beside his bed to prove that, oh my goodness, no, never mind, there really was a dragon there in a fishbowl. George looked at the dragon closely. It was bigger than he remembered. Better, too, as it had stopped shooting gas out both its ends. It looked so peaceful right now, lying in the bowl. It looked a little too peaceful, truth be told. The dragon wasn't breathing. Thank you for listening to Chapter 4 of A Dragon for George. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and also join us next week for Chapter 5. Until then, bless you, keep you, and take good care.